Welcome to Stay in the Loop with Lucy. Today's episode is very pertinent to the time we're in, a time of restricted movement as a result of COVID-19, a time where many businesses have closed or pressed pause in order to stay afloat as a business. And for some, there were a few days notice, and for many, this all happened quicker than they could plan for. COVID-19 is a virus that does not discriminate. Anyone can catch it, and money, status, and qualifications do not protect you from the virus. As such, businesses were impact. Many professionals found themselves face mask to face mask with an overwhelmed and understaffed Centrelink staff member signing on for unemployment benefits for the first time in their lives. Not everybody has gone down that route, but I'm lucky enough today to be joined by three professionals to share what losing their jobs meant for them personally, emotionally, professionally. May I welcome Rachel, Anna and Carmen. Hello, Lucy. Now, Rachel has worked as a dentist in private practice for close to 30 years. Uh, Rachel, did you, you obviously had your own business. Uh, how did, how much notice did you have that things might be changing for you and your business? It was really in the last week of March that things came to a very sudden uh, head, you could describe it as. Obviously, we knew that there was a virus that had come out of China, out of Wuhan. We had an increasing sense that this is going to impact, but we weren't quite sure what the magnitude of the impact was going to be. There were various things playing out. We, we had a sense of how bad things were in Spain and Italy. But it was really that final week of March where suddenly restrictions were introduced. So we went very quickly to level two restrictions. And then uh, it was that Thursday night, I had some patients booked in for the Friday. Friday morning, I got up and we were at level three restrictions. And thankfully, the patients that I had booked in were all able to be seen under the level three restriction. But that was probably one of the most stressful weeks of my life, but I also know many other dentists because I'm on a number of uh, Facebook uh, forums with dentists. And the panic was palpable. It was, uh, and, and it was actually very unhelpful. I stopped getting on forums because what I found the level of intensity was not actually helping me make clear decisions or to know what I needed to do. Yes, it's a whole different kettle of fish when you're the lead in the business and actually you need to be able to make decisions without drama because the drama is not going to help anyone. Well, there were clinical decisions that had to be made. There was patient contact that had to be made. There were human resources decisions that needed to be made. There were decisions in terms of the practicality of rent that needed to be made. There was the almighty desperate scrabble 
for uh, personal protective equipment, which was in suddenly in very short supply. So I'd forgotten to mention at the beginning of March, I think it was the beginning of March. Oh, honestly, I've lost track of time. It's been such a bizarre time. Dentists were already experiencing sh critical shortages of personal protective equipment, masks, uh, protective gowns. Uh, suddenly, because most of the bulk of that stuff is manufactured in China, dentists were already threatened with closure because they didn't have masks. Forget about the restrictions coming from the government. So there were multitudes of decisions on top of which we had some problems where the our um, regulatory body was not actually making calls so decisions were being made and publicized by a professional association but not by the government body that that um, governs dentistry so we were in this terrible position of going is this a government decision is it a recommendation of a peak body uh, and we were which just added to the stress and the trauma and the general confusion there were so many decisions Lucy I can't describe the level of pressure and then having staff saying what does this mean for me just going I don't actually know right now yeah. I'm completely confused I don't even know what it means in terms of whether what I'm doing tomorrow, in fact, what I'm doing right now, it was quite a, quite an intense time. Yeah, and uh, as a an employee, you go, no, my boss will know, my, because you, that's how you've lived your life, thinking, oh, my boss will know. Mm. Boss is and then you'll out. you'll be thinking, oh, the government body will know. They'll be telling. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> it's just like everyone's looking at everyone going. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's such a shame that this isn't a visual medium right now, but really you'd just be looking up the chain going, me, 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 who's, who's got it? And right. the person at the top pointing. of the chain is going, yeah, seriously, no clue, no clue either, <laughs> just pointing the other way. Anna, you worked as um, an international flight attendant for 30 years, and we're all very well aware of um, the fact that a lot of those um, uh, companies have folded, have paused. Uh, you've been stood down for uh, on unpaid, unpaid from work for many months now. What was it like for you, and could you see it coming? Um, no, like I've worked through because I've worked for thirty years. I've worked through many uh, worldwide things like um, the SARS virus, um, swine flu. Um, September 11, a lot of major events that have affected aviation in one way or another. This is something that I've never, none of us have ever seen in our lives before. And um, it was something we sort of started to know about and we had a little bit more warning than perhaps, say, Rachel, about what was going to happen with our job. Having said that, that didn't make it any easier because there was a lot of pressure. Suddenly it was going to be, you know, say 20% uh, of the flying would disappear, then 50, and then overnight it became basically zero. So there was a lot of stress and pressure about how that was going to affect the individual and knowing that we were then going to be stood down for months um, unpaid. Um, like Rachel said, it was one of, it was a very, very stressful time because um, I had a small amount of leave, but that wasn't going to cover this uncertainty 
of how long, none of us really know how long this is going to be and still we don't. So the information was changing like twice a day, daily. So even though we were having great information from our company, every day there was different updates or changes that was going to affect the individual. So I didn't cope very well, to be honest, in the beginning. It was very stressful. I um, got into a lot of stress around it and it did make it hard to make decisions and I got into a bit of a spin with it. Now, through that time, I realised that I love my job and I'm a hard worker and it actually left me feeling a little bit like my self-esteem was affected. Um, and I had to look at that beyond, uh, well, what's my worth beyond work? Um, and my focus is very much on work and what I bring. And so I had to look at um, what I could do, what skills I had. So I started applying for jobs wherever I could. I thought it's important to get money through the door. I still got bills that are very high and got on the phone and did what I could with certain companies like car loans and medical insurance. And thankfully, um, a lot of packages were brought out to support people um, and just did whatever I could to help with the pressure um, that I could control and then just started applying for jobs everywhere. It didn't matter what I did, yeah. Was there that sense that your bosses were going to be able to give you some clarity and when you, I mean, did you find that you got more information from the newspapers or the media compared to where you thought it would come from first, which was, which was the, your, your direct managers or the, the government or the bodies that looked after the aviation industry? Yeah, absolutely. Like they had a certain amount of information, but um, as we know, the information was constantly changing. So the information they had to deliver to us had already changed. So it was sort of a bit of the media, which I don't even really read newspapers or um, uh, watch news programs, but I started to um, watch stuff because I needed to be aware of the situation. Um, I had to pick what I watched, of course, because there was a lot of drama and fear. Um, and you could very easily get caught up in that. Um, I really knew that keeping very steady was very important at this time uh, to be able to know what to do and, and um, how to approach everything. Carmen, you worked as an optometrist in private practice for over 25 years. How did it affect you and your business practice? I'd been overseas when the whole um, potential lockdown as such started. Um, and when I arrived back near the end of March, I knew that I'd have to be in two weeks isolation. Um, so I spent the first weekend just moving all my clients to a week later, expecting that I'd be out and just, well, sorry, to two weeks later, expecting I'd be out and seeing them then. And things just changed day by day um, until we were only allowed to see emergency cases, which sounds fine, but you can't really sit around with a practice open paying staff to maybe have one emergency case come through your door. And um, that actually, I know dentistry has changed, but we're still on emergency only 
at this stage. So we're not, we're not supposed to see patients. And um, like Anna, I just went, okay, well, what are my skills <laughs> other than optometry, which has been my life, what I do breathe every single day. Um, well, I can be with people, customer service. I just applied for anything that had to do with customer service and to get out there. Um, from a financial point of view, I was at that stage in a position where my husband still had a secure job, which has since changed, which is quite amusing, well, not amusing, but in a way, at that stage, I wasn't quite panicked from financial, just knowing that I needed to get out there and bring some income in as well, whatever it may be. So um, I really wasn't panicked at that stage at all. But um, like Rachel said, it, it, it was confusing. We had to sort of just you know, listen to any webinar, listen to any little bit of information, and nobody knew. They didn't really know what emergency only is. You know, if a 60-year-old who can't see has broken their glasses, is that emergency, or is it only if, um, you know, they're going to lose an eye because of disease? You know, so it's sort of what is an emergency? Um, so, yeah, it was, was interesting times. All of you have, have spoken about the stress and the difficulty making decisions when your body is experiencing stress. And it, what I heard in all three of you is it's not, it's not just the what's going to happen to my job. Um, it's also about what happens to uh, the world that, I, that my job helps me pay for. You know, there were very real financial concerns and actually very real, I guess, therefore, um, and this great understanding for the stress as well. If we can bring it to um, how you had felt as your identity when you lost your job, if we can bring it back to that, because it's illogical when you consider the stress of the finances coming in, but actually there's something very real about your identity as a person suddenly being taken away and, you know, everything that you've trained for, for sometimes tens of years, you know, and the, and the, the extra professional development that you've done just being worth nothing when you then have to apply for a job in customer service, for example. Um, let's start with you, Rachel. Rachel, uh, were you identified? Do you love your job as a dentist? What, how did you approach that? It was fascinating. I love my job. But I discovered how unidentified I actually was. So there was the initial trauma. There was how am I going to pay my rent at the surgery I'm in? How am I, you know, as Carmen beautifully pointed out, you cannot keep a practice open and see emergencies. You can't pay staff. You can't pay staff to come in for two hours and put them on a train for two hours in and out. How is this going to look? So there was a lot of that that set, set up anxiety. There was the external pressure with dentists panicking and asking questions of each other that were wildly inappropriate. Yeah. No one could answer these questions. What's JobKeeper? How's it going to work? What I discovered was the more I kept everything simple, 
the simpler the decisions became. And the less I allowed myself to be swayed by other people's panic, the more clarity I had. And I could just start to deal with everything as it arose. So sometimes it was a very firm conversation with a staff member saying, I do not know how JobKeeper works. Nobody knows how JobKeeper works right now. So you need to stop asking me because I can't answer you. And asking me 15 different ways, I'm still not going to answer you. And that firmness had to come in. I've digressed a little bit from your original question, because, but it's important because part of the identification with profession is not just I'm a dentist, it's I'm a business owner as well. And, and having to know answers. So I was able to quickly let go of that and go, I don't know because nobody knows and I don't have to know. That was awesome. Then with the job applications, I was very similar to uh, Anna and Carmen. It's like, what are, my, what are my strengths? I'm amazing at customer service. Great. So I applied for every job under the sun that had an element of customer service in it. Uh, that, and I, I had an interview with the Department of Health because they were looking for casual pool workers and they said to me, what work are you willing to do? And I said, what work have you got? I, I don't care what I do. I'm here to do whatever I do and give it everything. So this whole thing of being um, a highfalutin professional was really very it was unimportant to me. It, it, where I'm, I'm fortunate is I always had a strong sense that the cleaner is as important as the person who's in the kitchen, who's as important as my dental assistant, who's as important as the dentist, as we can't run this world without everyone bringing everything they do. And it wasn't just a nice set of ideals. I discovered the truth of it. And it really struck me in that interview with the Department of Health people, just saying to them, you know, they said, what are you willing to do? Whatever work you have for me, I will do it. And there it is. It's, it's a, it's, it, there's a truth to it. It's not, it's not just a nice um, belief system that I'd, I was, you know, running. It was, there's truth. There was a depth to it. So, and, and frankly, a couple of the three weeks of not being identified with dentist slash business owner. It's been phenomenal for me. It's been so good for me. I can't describe it to you, but you probably want to talk to everyone else. And I don't want to take it down that line just yet. Not at all. It, it sounds like it felt like a relief to see yourself as beyond a business owner and as a dentist, almost like you've, you've had maybe a lens taken off that says, oh, look, there are, you, you are capable of doing something else in the world. You, you do have a value beyond the, what you have trained to do. And it's, it's actually, I felt what a prison it's been. And, you know, it's been beautiful for me to, to look at how I was conducting myself and how I was running the practice and, you know, taking on work and pushing myself beyond a point of exhaustion. And, and I'm now going, 
there's a whole new set of standards that has to come in that are far more supportive. And, you know, in the few weeks before everything went haywire, we had a staff meeting and, and I'd said to the staff, this whole thing of leaving work at 6.30, quarter to 7, it stops now. And, and I'm looking at it going, well, it did stop, didn't it? <laughs> but, but there has to be something taken from this and not just, you know, this is my concern is that as we ease the restrictions on movement and people start going back to work, I think it would be a terrible shame if we fall straight back into the pit that we were already in. You know, people have discovered the horror of homeschooling, but the joy of being with their families a lot more and in whatever proportion that's been. People have discovered the loveliness of having a bit more space. And I think it would be a shame if we just dive straight back into business as usual and don't take this very important point of reflection that we've had, that there's vastly more to us than a, a professional definition. Beautiful. Anna, for you, you've, you've already said that it was, uh, it was hard um, to consider um, not doing that, that particular job. I mean, it, I, it was a job you clearly loved. Uh, you also did shift work with that job. So for, was it difficult, one, staying in the same country? because there's a certain rhythm that goes with um, an international flight attendant. Uh, one, you were staying in the same country. Two, you were now um, living days <laughs> and sleeping nights. Um, was, there, uh, was, was there any loss of something through that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I was in a certain sort of routine. Um, as I said, I loved my job, loved going away and coming back, and it just... I just lost that flow for myself. So it was a little bit of an adjustment in the beginning um, because it's like you feel the rug has been pulled out from underneath you and um, you don't quite know what's going to happen. But it has been very lovely to be in the same bed every night and not to have the shift work. I managed shift work very well. Uh, however, it has been really nice to take this opportunity for my body to just actually really, I feel like this is a really good reset time. It's time to reset, um, a bit like Rachel said, look at your values, look at how you're living. Um, and I guess I've put more focus on other things. I've had time to look at having a vegetable garden because I'm home more. So there's been a lot of positives um, within this as well for me. Uh, at first, it looked like a bit daunting and how I was going to navigate my way through it. And um, I know that um, my mental well-being, I knew that I had to get back to work pretty quickly. And that was important for me because JobKeeper, was, they were talking about it. Um, nothing was clear. And I thought, well, even if that's available, which could be great, um, I need to be with people. Um, I know that when I'm at work, it's about the purpose and it's about giving and and being with others and being a service. And that's what I really thrive on. And I realised, well, who am I if I don't have that? I can bring that everywhere in my life. And because then homeschooling became, you know, 
quite <laughs> something I needed to adapt to as well. And then just feeling like I had to make it about others as well. And that really helped me take the focus off myself and um, be there for others, whether that be a family member who might be struggling with how that's affecting them, um, my colleagues or friends, um, and just seeing the greater picture and, and, and how everything is going on for everyone. Um, so there's been some great things that have come from this, like closer connections with people. Um, yeah, I think I've um, digressed a little from the question. No, they're, they're, honestly, these digressions are very important, so don't yeah. apologise at all. Um, I picked up that you have, you as much as the your job before gave you a sense of purpose, what you clocked when that particular job was taken away was that actually it was about being of service. And um, in as a flight attendant, you are at everyone's service. And I can imagine that that could be a complete nightmare at times, or I would imagine because having been seen how, how many people press their buttons on one of those overnights. But um, it went from you being of service in your, in your industry that sense of purpose was people and the connection with people and what is needed, therefore I'll do it, which is actually very similar to Rachel's. I'm here to do what's needing to be done. It doesn't really matter the label or the title you give me. What needs to be done, I'm here to do it. Very similar, but very different as well with, with how you both shared what you shared. Mm. And also knowing that, and this might be for a lot of people, and I know it is for the ladies on the call, is that my work was a very high point like, you know, it was very high. Um, so when you took that away from me, it was like, oh, what was I left with? But I realised that I just needed to bring that to all areas of my life, whether that's parenting, friendships, the home. Um, so it, it sort of exposed what I needed to bring in more areas of life, um, not sort of make it separate. And um, now I've landed myself a job working in a call centre for a government agency from home, which is very different, <laughs> and um, I'm enjoying it. And yeah, learning new skills, computer skills of all things, which I've never done. So it just shows me that after 30 years of doing one thing, that I don't know, for me it's a new chapter, because I don't know how long this is going on. It could be many more months before inter uh, international travel opens up. Uh, so I'm kind of enjoying learning new things and pushing myself beyond what I thought I was capable of. So, yeah. Lovely. And there's a big smile come through your voice. And interestingly, um, with the change of mic, which our listeners will be able to hear, um, you're much clearer, which would suggest that it's almost like that what was has shifted to what is and there is just a bright spark. Very beautiful. Very beautiful. Carmen. For you, you were an employee, but also running your own private business. And you also had that sense of what do I do? Um, did, have you found that your sense of self wobbled at all? Or did you just drop straight into, I need to be with people, which you really, you seeded that forth a little bit earlier? Yeah, it, for me, um, again, being in those two weeks isolation and then coming out um, to go to the shops, um, I realized how scared people were of everybody. And I just went, 
I have to be out there just being somebody who's not scared just so that they have that reflection from um, more than one person, but still. Um, so, and I felt that I had no identification around my job. I love it with a passion, but I went, I can do anything. But it's actually been quite humbling when I'm collecting trolleys from outside and pushing them in or um, also uh, sort of loading up cement onto a pallet and that kind of thing that I'm doing at the moment to go, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> this isn't quite, <laughs> this is not, you know, not like, do they know who I am? It's not that at all. It's just like, you know, where, where I've been, I've always had people do, I always have staff to do everything for me. You know, I wouldn't be outside yep. pushing 10 trolleys, you know, kind of, kind of thing. Yeah. So it's been really humbling and actually really gorgeous and sort of just um, uh, reflecting on when my boys have been looking for jobs and they're like, I can't push trolleys or I'm not loading, you know, not cement, but whatever. Just going, my gosh, do they know that their mother who's nearly 50? <laughs> can do yes. this and all it means is I don't have to do my gym that day because my stomach muscles are getting strong but um it's you know it's 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 been great it's actually really 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 lovely <laughs> I love that comment it's it, it it's funny because we build our bodies for work I mean we're always told exercise and keep fit and everything else for your general health but essentially we do tend to train to make sure that we can do what we do so a massage practitioner would train in a way to be able to be on their feet the majority of the day to be able to lean without hurting their back to be able to lift things tables arms legs you know whatever it may be um someone who works at a on a building site would train their body in a very different way and as an optometrist I can imagine, and as a dentist in that way, you would be leaning, so there would be a certain amount of back care or arm care and shoulders down and everything else involved, but not the heavy lifting or <laughs> some of the things you're quite describing now that you're working um, in, your, in your new job. Yeah. But 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 fun, nevertheless. You know, everybody, there's just so many jobs out there that we... Yes we just take for granted, you know, when we shopping or whatever. Yeah. Yes. And may I ask, because um, I think this is, this is relevant for all of you, feel free to jump in. In the jobs that you've now got, Carmen, have you found other professionals doing something similar and having the same experience as you? Is that, oh, I never thought I'd be doing this. It's fascinating. We have a, a group of seven of us that have been employed um, there are two flight attendants, um, a hairdresser, um, a sales rep who obviously can't cross borders, um, a man that um, looked after sporting facilities. Um, so, yeah, very fascinating how we all really in this together from this variety of professions, um, uh, a um, flat engineer, you know, just, and all these mm. people just going, well, I need to work, you know, what, mm. what's out there, you know, so, mm. so um, gorgeous, gorgeous to feel. Yeah. I also feel from you all a real um, sense of responsibility to the commitments that you make in life. And rather than sit and go, oh, look, I could be paid, you know, really good bit of money from the government it's not about the money. It's actually about um, having a sense of purpose. Have I picked that up correctly? Yes. 
I, I'll, for me, um, there was only so many days I could sit around in my pajamas and fluffy slippers. <laughs> and um, I, yeah, I can't even do my pajamas all day, um, sort of thing. I, I, I don't know. I have to feel like I'm bringing something, or and, and not in a way that I've got to keep myself busy, but. I, yeah, I don't even have Netflix, so <laughs> I have to look um, for what I could bring and do. And um, when I started to apply for jobs that put me into a focus, into, um, you know, even, um, like I loved what Carmen said, even there were jobs that I was looking at that you needed a forklift licence for. And I was like, oh, how can I get a forklift licence? That, that would be so much fun. <laughs> I can see Rachel nodding. I think she's done it <laughs> So I was searching everywhere. Where do you get a forklift license? Oh my God, that would be so much fun. So I made it an adventure and, um, and then it was just kind of interesting. That takes you down this whole, not being precious about anything, you know, and that's what I think has been really beautiful to see, you know, professionals like Carmen and Rachel just going, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I've been really inspired by the new people that I'm working with. We're all in the same boat. And it's just kind of this family has kind of come together very quickly. I've never felt such sense of community before. Mm. I've had that, but I've just found it fascinating and really how much everyone's kind of having each other's backs. And I know that's not been the case across the board, but I've just found what's happened um, really quite a beautiful experience. Yeah. I, I had that meeting with a group of people who, so my position is strange because I think I've been accepted into a department of health position in the casual pool for hospital workers. I say I think because we haven't had any communication, but I have had vaccinations. So <laughs> they gave me a needle, but I'm not actually sure that I've got a job. And of course, I'm in this hilarious position that we've now dropped to level two restrictions in dentistry. It's not quite as tight, still tight. Like it's not, not enough to run a business, but um, I, I can see more patients. And so people that do need treatment that I couldn't see under level three, I can now see under level two. That's awesome. Uh, so I haven't been deployed because, of course, the disease rates in Australia are quite, still quite contained. They don't actually need the casual pool. So I'm a bit in limbo with that. And I was offered, I had a phone call offering me permanent full-time work in a call centre as exactly the same people that Anna's working for. And that was the most horrible moment. I'm on the phone. Every fibre of my being wants to work, but they've offered me permanent full time. And I'm just sitting here going, I said to the woman, I can't actually give you permanent full time because I need to be able to see my patients. I need to be able to have some connection with the phone. I can't be out of phone reach for eight hours a day. How do I reconcile this? And, and it was the hardest no I've ever had to say in my life. And it was, it was like, and I've got like literally two minutes to make this decision. Yeah. What do I do here? You know, what on earth do I do? Because every part of me wants to work, but there's a strong part of me going, not this. And it's also not fair to them to say yes, yeah. permanent full time. As it turned out a week and a half later, I would have to resign anyway to go back in this weird 
sort of part-time-ish, random-ish capacity in my surgery, and yeah. uh, which is still not going to be sufficient funds to run a business, pay rent, pay staff. Fascinating, fascinating. But it was, it was not an easy no to say. But thankfully, I have found some work um, as a research assistant. So I'm basically an employee of someone and they're calling the shots and really enjoying it actually. <laughs> there's, there's some autonomy there, but, but it's not up to me, the direction that's taken. I'm, I am working for somebody and, uh, and I'm loving bringing the same quality going, well, really whether this project works for this person or not is no skin off my nose but yes it is it matters it's important and it's just as important as doing what I do and that's the thing that I see in in Anna and in Carmen the same quality that whatever you do you're going to bring the same level of quality to it even when it's confronting and difficult and and you don't have that sense of you know power that you might have had previously if we could equip our girls to be um better equipped for the for their profession what what how could we prepare them for this i'm going to diverge slightly but um the the uniform that I'm wearing at the moment is steel toed boots and it's not a a very feminine flattering outfit. Um, And one of the, the girls, one of the flight attendants went, I just feel like such a boy. I I just want my heels back. And in that moment I went, I don't feel, I don't feel like a boy. I just feel, I just feel like the gorgeous woman that I am. And so I, I feel like there's that, that, um, bringing the woman, the young lady up to value who she is, that it doesn't actually matter what uniform you have over the top and whether it's steel-toed boots, you still, you're still you. Yes. Um, and, and it was a lovely feeling to feel just because I hadn't thought about it till she went, I want my heels. I went, oh, I, I like my heels when I get home, but I, I just feel myself, you know. It was lovely. Yes. So you're not defined by what you wear equally what you do. Any other offerings? It's about it's about quality. And this is what Carmen has already said. It's the fact that as a woman you you are you know, if we can teach our young women to deeply value what femininity is, that it's not defined by a look. But also as, as a woman, you know, I was, as a young woman, I was very caught in being ambitious and, you know, wanting to achieve a lot and it looked a certain way and it came with a lot of pictures about what success means and what it means for my position in the world. Now, thankfully, I've had that rocked and challenged throughout my career. So, you know, I was never... Uh, hit a point of being comfortable and and sort of shored up in massive um, financial success and so forth. But what is so important is the quality you bring. 
And that quality means everything. It's more than any outer definition or degree or so-called, you know, societal respect can give you. It's, it's what, it's that essence, it's the, the way you are in what you do. And that, that's what lights this world up. You know, right now I'm wearing more active wear than I have worn in my entire life up until this moment. It's like <laughs> I have never worn so much active wear. I, I will do things like I'll, I will put my makeup on and I will go to the shops because Carmen made a beautiful point. People are very frightened and, you know, we've got the crosses on the ground and don't get too close to me and people being yelled at, too many people in this aisle. Carmen will know that one. Um, get out of the aisle. All of this, this sort of setup of fear. And I make sure I go to the shops and what I, I treat that as my job because I'm in this weird sort of pseudo kind of sometimes at work, I'm wherever I am. I go to the shops, it's my job. And my job is to go to the shops as a woman who is not afraid. I'm not stupid, I'm not reckless, I'm not, you know, going to bars and anything like that. But what I am doing is I'm walking through that shopping centre without fear and in settlement. I'm not a frightened dentist. I'm not walking as a person who's lost everything and in the tragedy of that. It's just, I'm Rachel. And if we can teach our young people to know that you are you and what you have is of inestimable value, it can't be measured, it can't be contained, can't be defined, can't be delineated or boxed, who you are in your essence brings everything that this world needs. If we can at least give them a flavour of that and say to them that is in you too equally, then we've, we've set them on a path that they will be prepared for anything that comes. Yes, they won't be defined by any job any profession they'll just be yeah they just adapt there's an adaptability isn't there yeah you respond you respond to mm. what life throws at you there's no guarantee and that's what i love covid19 has shown us there is no control we have no control yeah i so love that i think uh, it it has been i all the three of you have come up with so many positives and how it's changed your life and how it's changed your perspectives um, and it really is, it, it, it's, it can be, it's been very traumatizing for some countries. And I still speak to a lot of my family in the UK where they're still getting 500 people a day diagnosed and many hundreds dying a day. And you kind of go, okay, it's not a joke, but the positives that we can take from it in order to set a foundation that when we come out of this, because indeed we will, um, our many years going around the sun have shown that these things come and go. Um, when we come out of it, we must not come out in the same way, like a, you know, a hare out of a trap chasing a rabbit or whatever, whichever way around it goes, the dog chasing the hare. You know, like we just, just know. 
um, reset, reevaluate, and and do what you're all doing, which is gosh, love love yourselves, love people, love life. Anna, did you want to to share anything? Yeah, just quickly. Um because I'm in my 50s and I didn't study a profession as such. So it's shown me that, um, you know, I really was shined at work very much. I came alive so much more at work. And I realised it's not work, it's what's inside us that's always there, that is everywhere. And I just realised I needed to bring that more out in those other areas. And it's been very empowering for me as a woman is older and thought I was only had skills in one set to suddenly learn all this computer stuff learn um, yeah it's been really good and it's just shown me that anything is possible that we really are so capable and um, the funny thing is when work suddenly goes back I'm going to probably continue working in other areas and fields so it's shown me um, yeah what's possible Amazing. And, and like Rachel, um, active wear, yes, and also online <laughs> shopping. I've never done so much online shopping in my life. Because, <laughs> um, you know, there's been necessary things to buy for setting up a home office and um, yeah. there's been some disasters in that, but I love it. Yeah, it's good. We're keeping the economy going. <laughs> it's been amazing. Thank you yeah. so much, all three of you. Thank, Thank you, you Lucy. Thank you. Uh, the world I know is in very good hands by just having you three going out there ready for uh, the reopening of the world and, and getting everybody back out. Thank you, Lucy. It's been wonderful to talk with all of you. It's just gorgeous. Thank you.